listening to the words of all those songs, I thought we should just say amen and go home. <laughs> That's a lot of theology that was just dumped on us through those verses. Trust me. Um, and so encouraging. So encouraging. And I love your hearts. Thank you. I'm Bruce Redman. Good to be back with you. It's been a while. It's been a few months. But uh, God has been good. Your lives have been busy. Ours have been extremely busy too. Uh, family and friends and work and whatever. But uh, life does that, doesn't it? If you open your Bibles to First Peter, I'm going to share the next two Sundays some insights from Peter that I think um, relate to where we are today not only in our walk with God, but just living in this culture, in this world. Uh, Peter was written in a time where the church was scattered. He starts in verse 1, just telling us, you you reside as aliens scattered, and he lists a bunch of cities. There was persecution. If I had to break Peter into three, um, there's actually three subjects through the book of Peter, and if you haven't read it recently, I'd encourage you to read it. Read 1 Peter with Second Peter and then James, and you really get a bunch of things that come together and you say, wow, what's going on here? But the church was living in some, tremu- some tremendous times of persecution, difficulty, and they, were, they just were struggling. Peter can be broken down into three subjects, salvation, submission, not necessarily a favorite subject, and then suffering all related to where we are today. Salvation in regards to uh, being, so being persecuted that all you can hold on to is the fact that Jesus Christ has redeemed you. I read a letter this last week, not a letter, an article by Christianity Today of what's going on in Iran. Have you heard what's going on? Especially, primarily, uh, 80% of the, what's going on in the revival in Iran is being led by women. It was a phenomenal article. Look it up. I'd encourage you. It will really strengthen you in your faith, willing to lay their lives down to share the gospel and disciple. And they're doing it quietly. It's spreading all through Iran. It's kind of reminded me when I was looking at First Peter here of what was going on in the church at that time. They were scattered and they were being persecuted. Salvation, submission to our people in our jobs, and our marriages, how to live with one another, how to put up with one another, and then suffering. Uh, you and I are not going to escape suffering. We're not going to escape trials. Uh, by the grace of God, we might uh, skip the persecution piece, but then again, we might not. Uh, nobody knows. We don't know. So when Peter starts this letter, he starts with a subject that I believe is pertinent to us today. When Jackie and I, we, we spend time, um, our, our side thing is we love to work with single adults, uh, discipling them, investing in their lives, hanging out with them. Uh, they, they like us, I think. They ask us a lot of questions from um, every walk of life and uh, dealing with different things. But um, one of the things that I've noticed is just how much anxiety, fear, and a sense of hopelessness that generation carries. Um, they don't know if life is going to be good for them. Uh, they wrestle with the fears of the unknown, the fears of what's going to happen in our, in our government, society, the world, their lives. 
There's just a sense of an easiness and there's a hopelessness. But I have to tell you that we have an amazing hope. That's what Peter starts here when he starts to share with the people that are scattered. He wants to bring them back to what's central. I reminded, and Jackie reminded me on the way here, one of her favorite verses is in Hebrews 6.19 where it says, we have a hope that's an anchor of our soul. But do we really know the significance of that hope? In 1 Peter 1, he starts by telling us, uh, he, he writes, he said, Peter, an apostle, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered through Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, um, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May the grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus and who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first thing he dresses to us about our hope is that it's a praise-filled hope. I mean, I, I could do a series of messages just on what I just read to you. There's so much there, theologically. Um, he, the thing I want you to focus on in verse 1 is that we are chosen. Um, being a believer, being a follower, and having this incredible hope in Christ really had nothing to do with you or I. It was because the Father chose us. I'm reminded in um, the book of Deuteronomy when the Lord is dealing with Israel, and Israel was a stubborn people, but in chapter 7, he reminds them of this. In verse 7 through 9, he said, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you, because you are more number than any other people. For you were the fewest of all people. Just because the Lord loved you and kept his oath, which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant, his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. He chose Israel just because he chose them. It wasn't because they were special people. They were stubborn. They were stiff-necked. They were small in number. There's nothing really glorious about Israel, but God just chose them, just like he chose you or I. And to me, to, uh, you know, I, in, in my immediate family, um, I'm the only one that's come to Christ so far. I lost my brother. I lost my mother. And I don't know where they are. Uh, some of you have some of those same experiences. Have you ever wondered why God just chose you? He says here, who according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ, to be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. James writes in chapter 1, verse 18, he said, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would kind of be the first fruits among his creatures. He chose us. There's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about me. When I look back and people talk about being unworthy, you're darn right we're unworthy. 
You're down right, we're not worth anything, but yet in God's eyes and His love, He chose us to bring us into His own and to make make us His children, child of God. I'm reminded of the book of Ephesians, and I've said this to you before. If I didn't, I'm, I'm slacking in my old age. But in Ephesians and Colossians, in the first two chapters of each of those books, he names about 35 things he does for us the moment we trust Christ. The moment we trust Christ. In Ephesians 1, um, in verse 3, he says, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as he chose us in him before the function of the world, foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. He predestined us. He freely bestowed upon us his grace. We have redemption through his blood by his grace. He lavished his grace upon us. He made known to us the mystery of his will. And it goes on and on, the things that God has done for us. And friends, we didn't earn it. We don't even deserve it. But God chose us. And that's why we have a praise-filled hope. We have an eternal hope because of a loving God who so cared for us that he sent his son to die for us on the cross. And not only to die, verse 3 says he rose from the dead. He has caused us to be born again, the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are theologically, if you think you decided anything, but this shows me a lot here, who has caused us. God was at work in us to draw us to himself and to redeem us. And we have a praise-filled hope. It's the work of the Spirit in us. Titus addressed that. um, I think it's chapter 3 in verse 5. It's just, again, a really reminder of once we came and how we came. He said, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, because we're not righteous at all, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. Uh, God was at work in us. I sometimes say quickly that the Father drew us, the Son redeemed us, and the Spirit sealed us. Uh, God was at work in us. We have such a praise-filled hope. We have something, so whenever you're struggling with hope and wondering not about hope, do I have hope? Yeah, you have hope. You have hope in eternity. You have hope in Christ in the midst. And that's what Peter's trying to pull the people back to and say, listen, you have a praise-filled hope here. God chose you. He redeemed you. We also have in verse 4 and 5, we have a a protected hope. He said he did all this so that we can obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 4, the word reserved means kept. Kept is a military term in the Greek. It's, It's as if there's been a fortress or a garrison put around us, and we're being kept towards that imperishable eternity. It, it's, it's a protected hope. Uh, we're not going to fade away. God's at work here. Even in the midst of whatever we think we're going through that <coughs> is so overpowering, that kind of knocks us to our knees, uh, God's at work. <coughs> Excuse me. 
when, it, when, when I talk to the single adults and I hear what's troubling them in life, you, you might chuckle and say, well, why is that troubling you? But we sometimes get so wound up in our day-to-day stuff, just trials and difficulties, it pulls us down and we forget that eternal perspective. And Jude 1, it says that to those who are, be call, who are the called, beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ. You and I have a place that's been reserved. Christ has reserved us an eternal hope. We don't have to live in hopelessness. Not that we're never going to feel that sense of hopelessness, but to bring us back. Peter's trying to bring these people back to a little bit of eternal reality in the midst of their physical reality of being persecuted. That there is an eternal, eternal hope we can rely upon in the midst of it. It's praise-filled, it's protected, but it's also proven. In verses 6 through 9, <coughs> he says, In this you greatly rejoice. Even now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith be more precious than gold, which is what? It's perishable. Even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy. Just so expressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Wow. Whatever you and I are going through, we need to know it's not only praiseworthy, not only it's protected, but it's, there's a hope that's being proven in us. There's a way where trials have a way of sifting us to bring us out into where we have more of a genuine faith. We, I, I don't know if you ever asked the question, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do people go through such difficult times? You and I can't calculate the number of things when Jackie and I look back in the last seven years of the number of things, loss of family, difficulties we've gone, we know God's in control of that, but we also know he's working in us in the midst of it, just like he's working in you. And he's purifying us. Proverbs 17:3. he said, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. In the midst of difficulties, where are we turning to? Peter's reminding the church here that scattered of their eternal salvation, that's the central focus of their hope, that's worthy of praise, it's protected, but you're being proven in that hope. God is sifting us. Uh, John wrote, Jesus said in, in John 20, 29, he said, Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are you who do not see, and yet you believe in the midst of troubling times are we turning to Christ in those times? Are we looking to Him? Are we dependent upon Him? Are our hearts filled with joy? Um, are we giving Him praise in the midst of time, th- things that we can't even understand? That's what Peter's trying to urge the believers to do here in the midst of those difficult times. We have an amazing hope. 
the hope that the world doesn't even see, they don't understand. There's times where you and I don't even comprehend it. But in faith, we are believing God at his word at what he's going to do. Life isn't about necessarily here. It's about what he's doing and preparing us for all eternity. That's the joy. That's, the, that's why we, we can rejoice in difficult times. Doesn't necessarily make sense. But that's the reality, eternal reality for us. You know, one of the verses of hope for me that's significant is found in Romans chapter 5. 3 through 5. Um, you, you've heard this before, but it says, Knowing this, but we also exult in tribulations, Paul wrote. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In the midst of troubling times, as you and I look to God, we will sense a closeness to the Father that we have never sensed before. Uh, there's, it's times when I just, I, I just love to sense that. I don't like troubling times, but troubling times will come. But in the midst of that, where are we turning? Where do we find that hope? It's the work of the Holy Spirit in those difficult times. Have you ever, um, in fact, if, if you go to Second Peter, and I'm not going to necessarily be here to preach through Second Peter, but Second Peter 1, P, Peter takes that same theme, and he, he brings the pe- people back to that in Verses 4 through 9, if I can get my page here to grab. There you go. He says this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, apply all diligence. And he does the same thing Paul does here. He says, apply all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. Your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. Your godliness, brotherly kindness. And your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, I think it's, it's in those difficult times, those troubling times, that we really find out about ourselves. There's times when I go through difficult times, at this, even at this point in my life, I, I don't like myself. I don't like my first reactions. I don't like what I feel or I think. But in those times, where do we turn? Praise God for the cross. We can always come before the Father and say, Father, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for what I'm doing here. Lord, I need to turn to you. I don't understand this, Father, but I know you do. Spirit of God, work in me and through me. There are ways we can find and, and rejoice in that hope, but in those difficult times, God is sifting us and shake, shaping us to be more Christ-like. These people were scattered. They're being persecuted. They're being put to death. And Peter's not only saying we have a praise-filled hope, it's a protected hope, but it's a proven hope. In the midst of this time, our hope is being proven. It's being shaped as we turn to Christ in the midst of this, even as being captive 
Verse 8 says, Though you do not see him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Have you ever gone through a difficult time or a loss of a loved one when you found yourself just maybe, and I do this, I get on my knees and say, Father, I'm just going to praise you for who you are. I don't understand any of this. I mean, really, who can comprehend the, the, the majesty and the depth and breadth of what God's doing in our lives? We can't. But we can acknowledge him with praise and say, thank you. we have an amazing hope. Say, Father, thank you. In the midst of those difficult times. We also have a prophetic hope. In verse 10 through 12, he says, and as to this salvation, because that's what Peter's saying in the midst of of all that's going on in your life and what you're being you, you, you're being chased down, you're being persecuted, you're being put to death. He said, look to your salvation as your hope. He said, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not seeing, serving themselves, but you, all of us. In these things which have been announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. There's a lot about our life we just don't get. There's a lot about what's going on in our lives and salvation and what the Father has done. It, it's just hard. Either the prophets wondered. They didn't get it. They have sought to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. You or I are on this side of the cross. We know that every prophesy, every prophecy that was given about Christ has become true. We, we have so much we can rely on and depend upon to understand that eternal hope we have in Christ and the fact that it's been secured. It's, you and I are being kept. <laughs> God is keeping us for himself for all eternity. And this, there's prophets that have gone over the centuries wondering about all this. And the prophet... Um, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 24, wrote, For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. And again, we're on this side of all that. Jesus is trying to encourage his disciples, trying to understand the Roman government and all that going on, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, it's coming for you and I. We're on this side. Things may look troubling in the world, but not in the... You know, they've been troubling for generations since Christ died. There's nothing new. It's just you and I know more and more about eternity and where we're going and that eternal hope we have. Peter wrote in... in again, going back to Second Peter, Peter addressed this again in chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. He says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp, a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns 
and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's why we can rely on what we have here. That, that's why you and I have such an eternal hope. We, it's an amazing hope that God has given us in Christ. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, he, he said this, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made in your hearts through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Uh, Christ is the, our hope of glory. And it's a praise-filled hope. It's, it's, it's been uh, protected. It's been proven. We're being perfected in the midst of that in our faith, but it's a prophetic hope. It's an amazing hope. And that's why he said these things which you now have been announced to you through the gospel that's been preached to you in Christ. Friends, we have a lot to be thankful for. In times when we don't feel very, when we feel like we're hopeless, you have to wonder why do we feel like that? What's going on? What's making us act like that? What's making us experience that? Turn your Bibles to Romans 15. I want to close with this passage. And if, 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 if I was going to give you a word as to what cures hopelessness, this is a very specific way to take care of that. And, and yet at the same time, when I read this, some may be, if you're in rebellion or you feel like nothing's working in life, you may not like this word. But this is the way to cure a sense of hopelessness in our life. In Romans 15, starting in verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Have you grown up in a Christian home or in a place where somebody said, are you reading the scriptures? Ever just woken up some day and said, you know, I just don't want to read my Bible. <laughs> or maybe you haven't read your Bible in a long time. And just saying, why? Well, folks, our hope is strengthened when we're reading the scriptures. It was written for our instruction that through what? Perseverance and the encouragement. Ever been encouraged by a word of, from the scriptures? A, a word that just kind of lit your fire and you said, wow, where did that come from? I mean, how many times have you... See, how many times have you read the Bible? I, I, I don't know. If, 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 if any of you have ever read the Bible through, you know what I'm talking about. Um, this year I've been working with several different men that are working with different groups of men. And I, I showed them how to use a Bible app and have the men read uh, the same scripture uh, five days in a row, then get together and talk about it. And their whole idea, you know, hearing the scripture, men are just coming alive because they're in the scriptures on a regular basis. And they're meeting with other men to talk about what they've read. There's something about the power of the Word of God. It's sharper than a double-edged sword that's able, but it's also not only able to pierce our hearts, but it encourages us and strengthens our hope that we have in Christ. L look at verse 13. 
Paul goes, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What strengthens our faith and gives us hope as we face the day, whether we're in grade school or we're retired, is going to be at the time that we spend, spend with the Father. The time that we are... So there's something about opening up the Scriptures or listening to the Scripture, especially opening up and reading yourself, that'll just really strengthen your faith and realize what an amazing hope we have. I don't understand it. Um, you could say it's a feeling. You could say it's whatever you want to say. It's there. And there's times when um, I feel that God has pulled away from me. Ever feel like that? I had a pastor friend of mine who uh, was actually my first pastor who told me, if you ever feel like God has pulled away from you, he said, the problem isn't God, the problem is you. Those are hard words to, to, to listen to. So he sent me to chapter Isaiah chapter 40 through 66. He said, read one chapter a day and pray. Because it really focuses on the majesty and the almighty power of God. There's something about reading the scriptures that strengthens and verifies that eternal hope that we have. That's what Peter's trying to relate to the people that are being scattered. They're being um, crucified, they're being killed, they're being whatever you want to put with the word there. They're going through some tough times. And he starts by saying we have this hope, this salvation in us that's certainly praiseworthy. It's definitely been protected. You and I are being kept. And it's a proven hope. God is shaping us through difficult times so that we can experience that hope in a proper way and to realize it's a prophetic hope. Uh, we're on this side of the cross. We of all people should be rejoicing in that incredible hope because we know the other side of the story. The only part of the story we don't know, we haven't experienced yet, is when our feet touch glory. And I lied to you. I'm going to share one more scripture with you. <laughs> I have a pastor friend of mine in one of the churches we planted who, um, I've never thought about this, um, he, he was with a parishioner in his church that was dying. And the man who was dying wanted the pastor to read to him Revelation 21 and 22. I thought that was an odd request until I started reading the first four verses of chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the throne of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That pastor was amazed. What a request. Could you read to me, Pastor, Revelation 21, 22? That's our hope, friends. It's amazing hope. The world doesn't have that kind of a hope. They're hoping that they're going to be famous or they're hoping that something 
good's going to happen soon or this is going to happen or whatever. They're going to find the right person that'll straighten out their life. Uh-uh, won't work. But we have an eternal home. Rejoice in that this week and give thanks. God is so good to us. Yeah, Father, thank you. Thank you for encouraging our hearts. Thank you, Father, for redeeming us. Thank you that you keep us to yourself. <clears throat> thank you, Spirit of God. Lord, I pray for all of us here today. Don't allow us to get away this week while being face-to-face with you, to experience who you are, Father. Thank you for that eternal hope we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.